We have a series to get to, and I'm really excited about it today. I'm really excited about this one. Um, if, you're, if you're new or, or don't remember, we're talking about this summer um, Sunday school stories, so, stories that maybe you heard growing up, maybe that you heard at VBS or what we call summer base camp that have become just, I want to say white noise, but they're actually called lullaby stories. And those are stories that you've heard so many times that they've actually lost their meaning. And, and today is, is, I believe, one of those lullaby stories. And I, I think it's interesting that we're talking about stories on Father's Day because fathers love to tell their kids stories. And this is one that I want to look at. It's, it's Abraham and Isaac, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And it begins in Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Okay, before we get any further uh, in this story, I want to look at those first three words of Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later. Because there's, a, there's, there's times in the Bible where we read things like this, sometime later, after some time had passed. And it can be a little tricky on, well, how much time? What, what was going on before that? And what I want to focus on when it says sometime later here is not sometime later from the, the previous event, but sometime later from when the original promise that, that God made to Abraham was. Sometime later, lots of time had passed between when God had promised, when he had made this covenant with Abraham that he was going to give him not just a son, but nations. And so let's, let's look really quickly at that time, because I think it's important to understand what God says to Abraham, and then we'll fast forward back to Genesis 22. But so let's look, <coughs> excuse me, let's look in Genesis chapter 17 and understand what that sometime later really means. So Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Skip down to verse 15 with me. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be, will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to me, a man of 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. All right, so God here has entered a covenant 
with Abraham. And a covenant is, is like a relational contract. All right? it's, it's not a contract between two business partners. It is a relational contract. It is a binding promise that God has made now with Abraham. And if you pay attention to this, the covenant, this promise, is about not just a son, but of nations. He's talking about nations. He doesn't even mention Isaac till the very end when he switch and he transitions to off of Abraham into Sarah. But his first promise, his first words to Abraham is, I'm going to make you father of nations. All right? It's not just about Isaac. If it, if it were, then this story would be very different. But God is making this covenant beyond just his son. He's saying, listen, this goes much further than Isaac. This is about nations, plural. And it is going to come through. He doubles down when, when Isaac's like, hey, maybe this can come through Ishmael. He says, no, no, no. This is coming through your son, Isaac. I want to be very clear in what I am telling you right now. And so God makes this promise to him. And what we need to understand not just as we read this story this morning, but as we live our lives, as we walk out this, this faith, this, this life with Jesus, is that he does not break promises. God does not break promises. And so he's made this promise to Abraham. Lo and behold, a year later, Sarah gets pregnant. They have Isaac. Things are going well. And then bam, Genesis 22 happens. So let's go back to the beginning of Genesis 22. Let's reread those first couple verses. After this sometime later, time has passed. The covenant's been made. Isaac's been born. So sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. This is the sometime later. In other words, time has passed, or enough time could have passed to where Abraham has maybe forgotten the covenant. Or maybe he could have misheard the covenant. Maybe God wasn't being literal with this covenant. Maybe he was talking figuratively. Time has passed, and here we are, and God is telling him to sacrifice the very son that all these nations are supposed to come from. In Abraham's response, here's what we, we need to know some things about Abraham. His response when God says, Abraham, his, here I am. And that's not a, yeah, God? Like, what's up? What's going on? This here I am that he says is a God, I'm listening. I'm ready to learn. God, I'm ready to obey. What would you have me do, God? That's what this here I am means. It's not this passive, yeah, what's going on? You need to talk. It's I am ready to do whatever you are about to ask of me. I'm right here. I'm ready to be obedient. Not knowing at all what God was about to say. And then God's words are this. Take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac. It's like with every phrase that God says in that moment, it's like the dagger is just twisting more and more. 
Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Listen, God knows exactly what he is asking Isaac in this moment. He knows exactly what he's asking him. And there are times in our life when he knows exactly what he is asking us, and it feels like the dagger is just twisting with every phrase. I'm saying, I know. I know what I'm doing here. I want us to, to understand something. When, when, I got, when I got to this part of sermon prep this week on this, I wrote in, I wrote in my notes that this doesn't make any sense at all, right? This doesn't make any sense at all. Going back to Genesis 17 and the covenant he made, God said he was going to give him nations through Isaac. So this doesn't make any sense at all. And I stopped and I deleted that because it's wrong. And I wrote, it doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Because through Abraham's eyes and through our eyes reading this story, if we don't know what's going to happen, this doesn't make any sense at all. But guess what, y'all? We're not the ones writing the story. And that's what we have to remember all the time. I talked about how, you know, it's Father's Day and, and we love to tell stories to our kids and there's lullaby stories in the Bible that lose all meaning. Guess what? God loves to tell a story too. And he tells a perfect story. He doesn't ever embellish. Listen, when I get up here and I tell y'all a story about, about my family, you know, when I get home after church that day, just so you know, what's waiting for me is not from my wife. Great sermon, honey. That was amazing. So great job. What would you like for lunch, right? It's, that's not what happened. <laughs> Wrong. Now I got to spend the rest of the week undoing what you just did. All right? This falls on me. It's my problem now. I'm like, I know that's not what really happened. What really happened was boring, and so I had to, I had to gussy it up a little bit. I had to embellish. Our life's not that exciting, right? We got chickens. That's about it. We're one trick pony. God never embellishes on any of his stories. He tells a perfect story. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Jesus, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. God has been writing this story since the beginning of time. And he loves us enough to include us in it. But we have to remember that he's the author and he's the main character. We're in the story with him, but the story is about him. And so when we get to that place in our lives, when we say, God, this doesn't seem to make any sense. We have to remember in that moment, we're not the ones writing the story. All right. We don't know the ending. Only God does. And so what we need to do then is just trust the story. Just trust the story and see how it's going to unfold. And that's what Abraham does here. And picking up the, picking up the uh, story in verse 3 of Genesis 22, it says, Early the next morning, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, 
Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I think it's amazing that God tells him to do this. And verse 3 starts with early the next morning. In other words, Abraham didn't wait around to see if God was going to change his mind. Or how can I get out of this, God? He, early the next morning, he rose. So I see immediate obedience in this. But I also would wager to guess that it was along with a sleepless night. In other words, I'm not sleeping anyway. Let's just go ahead and get going. Because if I wait, I'm not going to do it. So we just need to go. We just need to move. And I would love to say there was this caravan of people praying for him, cheering him along the way. But it's Abraham, it's Isaac, and his two servants. And man, y'all, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand up here and, and tell you something that's not true. Being obedient to the Lord, a lot of times, can be really, really, really hard. Because it goes against the grain of almost everything we see in the world. Everything we see. And even sometimes it can go against the grain of the things that we're trying to figure out what God's doing in us through what he promised us. This is going against the grain of his promise over Abraham. And Abraham goes. You know, when you're, when you, <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitating saying this because I'm going to be made fun of, but when you run a marathon uh, and you get a certain ways down the road, they, what they, they print your name on the bibs now, your first name on your, on your racing bib. And at first, you know, people on the sideline that are cheering, they're like saying your name. It's like, cool, thanks. You know, it's just great. I feel good. But you get up into the higher mileages and all of a sudden you hear these strangers shouting your name. And you realize, man, I need this. Like, this is helping me right now. I don't know who just said it, but thank you. Abraham spent three days on this journey to sacrifice his son, his only son, whom he loved, Isaac. And he didn't hear a single, you can do it. You can do it. He just kept going and kept going because he was about being obedient to God and trusting the story. One of the most remarkable things in this little bit of verse here that, that blows me away with Abraham is when it says, when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering. Abraham is over 100 years old. He's got two servants with him. He's got other servants at the house. He could have said, hey, y'all cut me some wood. And when you're done with it, put it on that thing. All right, and then we're gonna get going in the morning. But God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son. God doesn't just say, okay, I'm gonna take my son up there. But he also says, I'm gonna cut the wood that I'm gonna put him on. He's not obeying halfway here. He's doing all of it. And it's incredible. He tells the sermon, stay here. We're going to go up there. We will worship, and then we will come home. And we, we see that word worship. That's not songs of praise. What it's talking about here is we're going to go bow down. We're going to go submit to God on this mountain. We're going to go honor him in that way. This is not a joyous time. They're going to submit to God. And then he says the statement, and then we will come back to you. 
we will come back to you. I don't know what Abraham's thought process here is. There's some theories out there. But what he knows is that God doesn't break his promises. He doesn't break his promises. What we need to understand, y'all, is that the kingdom of God is not ruled, it's not run by fear. It is run by trust. It is run by trust. And we're never going to make it. We're never going to make it if we always live in fear over our life with God being in control of it. Fear of, has he forgotten me? Fear of, does he hear me? Can he heal me? Can he provide for me? Am I going to be all alone? Fear, fear, fear. That is not God's kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom of trust. I trust that you hear me. I trust that you see me. I trust that you are for me. I trust that you are never going to leave me. I trust that your words are true. I trust that you don't break your promises. I trust that you are God on high, reigning in heaven even now. I trust you, God. I trust you with everything. I trust you. I trust you that you don't break your promises, that you never break your promises. It goes on in verse six. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. I just wonder what it must have felt like for Abraham to hear his son call him father in that moment. Because fathers, good fathers, protect Good fathers protect. They don't harm. So here is Isaac saying, Father, like, where's the lamb? And then he says, in response, the fire, or he says, uh, yes, my son. He says, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them together, or the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and here it is again. Here I am, he replied. So Abraham, this time, knife in the air, son on the altar, bound, tied up, ready to put the knife through his chest, Here's the voice, Abraham, and his same response is, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'm here to do whatever you want because I trust you with knife in hand. I trust you with my son, my only son, whom I love, Isaac. Because you are God. And I'm trusting the story, even though to me, it doesn't seem to make any sense at all. He has not changed once. Here I am. Here I am. What would you have me do now? Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You know what's kind of hidden in this, this portion of the story? It says he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Let's remember, 
Abraham is over 100 years old. Isaac is not. Isaac is young. Energy, strength, youth. He could have easily stopped his dad from tying him up. And he could have gone, I'm out of here. I'll make it on my own. Dad's gone crazy. But he doesn't. He allows his dad to bind him up and lay him on the altar because just like Abraham trusts God, Isaac trusts his father. Where do you think he learned that from? Dads, we got a big responsibility. How we trust our heavenly father so our children will trust us. They see what we're doing. And Isaac, the one that is being put on the altar, is saying, I trust you too, Dad. I trust you too. Here I am. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Genesis 22, Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He trusted the author of the story. What we need, what I want to say this morning, what I want to say this morning is that God's promises are never fulfilled through disobedience. They're fulfilled through obedience. Fulfilled through obedience, even when things don't seem to make any sense and the promise has been given and you've heard the Lord and you knew it was the voice of the Lord and you've confirmed it with other people and it gets to that place Are you going to worship the promise more than me? Which way are we going to go? But this way doesn't seem to make any sense at all. God promised me this over here. Yeah, guess what? He's the promiser. He's the promiser. So if he's telling you to go this way, and he's the promiser that doesn't break the promises, and he's the author of this story that we're walking through, then let's go that way. And let's just put this promise... Let's just put it on the shelf. Let's not make it our God, our idol. And let's continue to follow the Lord and watch him fulfill the promise. But we get so wrapped up in the promise. We get so wrapped up in what God has said to us that when it doesn't seem to make any sense, we go, well, we gotta go this way. I gotta do this in order for what he said to come true. I have to do this. Doesn't make any sense. But now I've become the promiser. When I become disobedient to what God has promised over me, and I go this way to fulfill what he said, now I'm the promiser. Now I'm the author. Now I'm the storyteller. And now, worst thing, I'm the main character. Y'all, we're not the main character. We are a part of an incredible story. But we're not the main character. Jesus is the main character. And that's what this whole story is about. I'm going the band come back up. You know, it's interesting that in this story, there's not a line. You know, we, we can, you know, I, I love to do this with these stories, just get in, get in their heads and their emotions. 
But there's not a moment where it talks about how Abraham felt. Not one moment where it says how he's feeling. And it's not because he wasn't feeling things, but because he was walking by faith, not his feelings. That's what the story is about. Not about the feelings. Luke 22, verse 20. It says, after supper, he took another cup of wine. This is Jesus. And said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. God made a covenant to Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. But Jesus has made a covenant with all of us says, we are going to be his people. We are his kingdom. And it's so interesting to me that this story of Abraham and Isaac can be so gut-wrenching to us as parents, as fathers, to think for one second. I mean, I think it's natural when you hear this story to kind of put yourself in Abraham's shoes and go, there is no way I could do this. There's no way. It would absolutely rip my heart out of my chest to even think about doing this to my child. Yet that's exactly what God did for us with Jesus. Except there was no ram in the thicket. There was no trap door to get out of. There was no just at the last minute right before the nails went in him on the cross. God said, wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's far enough. No, God let the knife go through Jesus. And God gave his son, his only son, whom he loved, Jesus, for us, so that we could always always, always trust the author of the story and know that he loves us. And even when it doesn't seem to make any sense at all, we can trust him and know that he does not break promises. He's not a God who breaks promises. You know, it wasn't uncommon back then for there to be child sacrifices with other religions, with lowercase g gods. You know, the thing with the timing of Abraham, like he's kind of like this, I don't know, this leader. He's kind of walking this thing out with God. There was the flood with Noah, and then I think that's like chapter 8, and then they talk about the lineage of Noah in, in Genesis 10, and then Genesis 12, Abraham appears as Abram. So he's like, he's like this first guy so there's, there's no context. And when God stops Abraham from sacrificing his son, what he's telling Abraham is, I am not like other gods. What you see with these other religions, that's not me. I love you. I love you. And my kingdom is not fear-based. 
So when you see all these other religions doing these crazy things out of fear that they're going to upset these false gods, you need to know that's not how I operate. You never have to walk in fear. I'm not like them. You can trust me. You can trust me. And I'm going to prove it by doing exactly what I've asked you to do, except I'm going to see it all the way through. I'm going to see it all the way through. I know how you felt with that gut-wrenching three-day walk. I know how you felt. No one was rooting me on either. But oh, if you think this covenant is good, I got a new covenant coming, Abraham. And it's for all time, for all people. And you can trust me in it. You know, I don't know what you're walking through this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you came in with, what you're going to go home to. I can tell you this much. You can trust the author of the story. You can trust him. And if you're walking in fear today, I want to encourage you to lay that down at the altar this morning. And if it doesn't seem to make any sense, what God's calling you to, what he's calling you away from, be like Abraham first thing in the morning. Seek after him. Trust the author. I'll be honest with you, I was, I was preaching to me a lot this week with this whole thing. I needed this. We all need it from time to time. We're just going, Lord, I don't get it. I get it. So it's okay. I'm the one holding the pen. Thank you, Jesus, for that stand up. We're going to worship this morning. I just want to pray over you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything like that, but if you've been struggling, trying to make sense of it all, I just want to let you know that I love you. We love you. The Lord loves you. You're part of his story. He thinks enough of you to make you part of his story. And that's pretty amazing. It's pretty incredible. So let's go to the Lord right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are not like other gods. Thank you that you don't require of us what you did with your son, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that just like Isaac could have jumped up and ran off, you could have gotten off of that cross at any moment, and you stayed. Because like Isaac trusted his father, Jesus, you trusted yours. And the darkest moment when no one was cheering you on, even your disciples ran and you were all alone, you stayed. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't break your promise and you never will. That we don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in doubt. And we can trust you. And when you call us to things, 
we would have the strength to be obedient even when it seems like it doesn't make any sense at all. God, for those in here who are really struggling with all of that, walking in fear, things just don't seem to be making any sense and they're saying, God, I'm doing everything that you're calling me to do. God, we're, I, I say right now to them, you can do it. We are your cheerleaders. God, I pray that you give them strength to continue on, to keep running the race. God, be their comforter. Holy Spirit, comfort them. See them through. Let them see the other side and how you kept your promise, God, in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I, I want to pray right now for all the dads in the room, watching online, God, that you would bless them, God, that you would challenge them to be the leaders that you've called them to be, to be the examples that you've called them to be, to be, to be strong, to be vulnerable, to be loving, to stand firm as, as, as the spiritual leader in the house, God lead their families well according to your word, according to your truth. Give them that strength, Lord. They say, I don't even know how to do that, God. Show them. It doesn't have to be all at once, but just show them little by little how to be that godly father to their children. And God, for those this morning that struggle on Father's Day, because of a lack of a father, an abusive father, or all the other, uh, maybe the loss of a father. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would comfort them today, know that they're not alone, and that you don't go anywhere, that you are and always have been their first father. You are our good, good father, Lord. And I just pray, Jesus, for those that hurt a little extra, on Father's Day, remembering things, being reminded of things, God, that Lord, you would just flood their heart with your love, wrap your arms around them, hold them near, let them know that you're there, God, that you love them deeply, deeply. Thank you, Jesus, that you truly are not like with us in it all. You love us. You do provide for us, Jehovah Jireh. And you gave your son for us. Just real quick, if you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that he died for you. There's nothing that you have to do to make up for it or to earn it. Just simply believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. You can do it right now, right in this moment. All you have to say, I believe Jesus. He'll come in and he will change your life. All those things you were walking in fear about, he'll change it trust him with all those things.
love you. We exalt you this morning. Let's worship you.